Do you know what slugging is? No. Okay, what maybe. I believe slugging is like when you use like a petroleum based or like a Vaseline, like yeah. all over your whole face, like yeah. like a Doris Day mm-hmm. type yes. of thing. You go to bed looking very scary. Hopefully nobody uh-huh. comes and murders you because you'll murder them probably with how scary you look. It is funny though, but both my grandmothers growing up, I remember them almost every single night. Yeah. Vaseline all over their faces before yep. they went to bed, right? And yeah, so- and their skin was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite petroleum based is the Elizabeth Arden eight hour cream. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Okay. Also, Walita Skin Food is like a more occlusive thing. You can get it at Target. It's like 20 bucks, and it has like nicer ingredients in it, I believe. Okay. Right. And that's my slugging moisturizer of choice. Gotcha. So, All right. For whatever that's worth. <laughs> I love that I'm over here taking notes on makeup and moisturizers uh-huh. and slugging. I'm like, oh my gosh. I know. I'm feeling a little bit better about later when I when I go over my Sephora cart with you guys and ask which purchases I'm allowed to make. So <laughs> I feel like I might get a lot more like approval than I was counting on. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring, a podcast about breast cancer with Jocelyn and Lauren. Whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super <laughs> cancer curious, welcome We hope you enjoy, because breast cancer is boring, but we, and you, Mm -hmm. are interesting. I love it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Lauren is out today. I'm going to actually, I put together an outline and then I never follow it. Angela is my co-host today. She's tapping in. You may know her from her excellent podcast, They Can't All Be Betty. Right. <laughs> it's awesome. Anyway, welcome, Angela. Hello. How are you doing? Pretty great. Yeah. Am I supposed to say more? It's it's all good. Oh, okay. Can you tell that I haven't done this in like months? You I'll know get what? used to it. I'll get back. But in. you've been like it's, it's like riding a bike, right? Right. Exactly. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. With a microphone. Like yeah. Yeah. And a soundboard. It'll be all right. Well, I'm excited. You're here because you were part of my podcasters podcasting last year, which we're going right. to do again this year. So I hope you'll oh, cool. be there. Um, but also, you're the whole reason I know about the debt free guys from the Queer Money podcast who are also here, but you know, haven't introduced you guys yet. So, like, internet <laughs> speaking, you don't exist, but you can still chime in. Um, anyway, I'm really excited about that. We begin every episode with announcements, and I'm going to just fly through them because I'm really tired of saying that it's still a pandemic. Um, But Fauci says it's kind of not, but I don't know, because I work in the hospital and it still kind of is. Anyway, everybody just be careful out there. Get vaccinated, wear a mask, and try to relax. And also, immunocompromised people and people with disabilities are kind of always in a pandemic, so just be mindful. Actually... If you are a friend to someone who is in cancer treatment right now, sending them a big old box of very fashionable N95s is like probably the coolest thing you could do for them. So then we go over Apple reviews of our podcast and I read them on air and um, we have none since last episode. And it makes me very sad. I don't understand why people won't leave reviews. Five star reviews. Five stars. Five stars only. I've um, left you a five star review. Like, so that's all that matters, like truly. <laughs> we're a four point nine podcast now, which I noticed you guys are too. It cuts at me, the point one. Cause it's like right there. And it's also like four star like four stars. What is what do you want from me? <laughs> like what is missing here? I bring it all. And and we bring it to we you do. every week. So I don't know. I don't know what. What do people want that we're not giving them? Is it more skincare? You just can't make everybody happy. Yeah. There's always you can't. a pain. Maybe it's a little bit yeah. something deeper that we're not able to yeah. solve. <laughs> mm. Or, or we're deeper. We're deeper. We we're not for everybody. That's true. No, and you don't want to be basic. for everybody. That's yeah, I don't want to be for everybody. No, you're special. You're exclusive. <laughs> we're very exclusive. Well, I like that. I love that. You guys need to be on more often. This is really helping out my self-esteem. Um, all right. Speaking of exclusive, we have today the two guys 
from a podcast with with over 300 episodes, which blows my mind. And you guys just seem like financial gurus. You talk about everything from just like getting out of debt to like a, what is it called? I wrote it down, a Roth conversion ladder, which even though I listened to that episode, I still don't understand what that is. But I'm interested because I have a Roth thing and I need to talk to you guys about it. Anyway, you're going to save us all from debt. And it's David and John from the Queer Money Podcast. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yes, (laughs) glad to be here. Thank you, Angela, for making uh, Jocelyn aware of us. Oh, you're welcome. I I love your podcast so much, and Jocelyn's as well, of course. But I learn so much. I'm I'm with Jocelyn too, where you could talk about a Roth all day, and I'll sit here and take notes, and then I'll still have questions. So I'm glad you do kind of touch base about these things over and over because it's important. That's good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> there's there's so many finance. Well, there's so many topics in general, right? That yeah. you can go. You can only cover so much in a podcast episode that it, there's always going to be some questions left over. That's part of the reason why we have a Facebook group so that folks who listen to the oh. podcast can ask questions that maybe they didn't get answered. And so we see that it's a great source of episode time. topics or yeah, or right. propose a new topic. <laughs> Let's say someone's never heard of your podcast before career money podcast. Give us like a quick pitch. Like, what is it? Who is it for? What am I going to learn? Our tagline is money with a rainbow twist. And really, that's what it is. John and I believe that 80% of money is the transactional side that's the same for everyone, right? Me swiping a credit card is no different than you swiping a credit card versus someone else swiping a credit card. That Those kind of transactional things are the same for everyone. But the 20% that is different for every single one of us is the story of who we are right? Mm. What is my family background? What's my financial background? What kind of money stories did I bring into the world? Um, What is my current financial state? How is that affected by my gender, my gender identity or sexual orientation? Mm. All of those, my race, my my religion, my, my family upbringing, all of those things have a really big impact on how we think about and use money. And that to us has an overshadowing impact on whether or not we're able to achieve financial success or have a financially sustainable life. And so what we do with the podcast is we talk about a lot of the transactional stuff that when it comes to money, but we then overlay a queer lens to it. So how does that, how, how is that impacted by, or what are the stories of how it affects lesbians, gays, bisexual, transgender, non-binary folks in our community? And We, we look at it that way because sometimes it's the story of hearing the experience from someone else that helps everyone else to understand why there is a nuance, why money can be queer for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think that's something, and you know, I'm not a great person and there are things I'm definitely not aware of, but I'm like learning. And I was not aware, like money is money, you think, Right. And I was brought up in a very fundamentalist uh, household. And so if you had money, you were a good person who loved the Lord. And if you didn't have money, (laughs) you were somehow morally bereft and um, just you deserved it, you know, because you weren't working hard or or whatever. Um, And that is so far, just like so damaging (laughs) as an upbringing to to do so in the dismantling of that, I think I had figured that out, that that wasn't true, but I had not considered that money is different when you are a queer person, when you're someone who is not gender conforming or, you know, even money, even money is different and is treated differently coming from you. And I think I didn't realize before getting breast cancer that when you have a disability or you're not like able-bodied, Money is very different. Mm -hmm. And so I I really love like that you have this podcast out there for that. And then also me as like a cishet white lady can listen to it and be and like get the information I need to. It's just it's it's like for everyone. But then it's like very specific. I don't know. It's a good podcast. (laughs) And some of it's over my head and I have to Google stuff. But um (laughs) Even me, I walked into their podcast going, wait, so money is different for queer people. And my girlfriend and I had the exact same 
response. And we listened to a couple of episodes and we're like, oh yeah, that's really true. And I hadn't really thought about this. And I think it's different other than if you're not part of the stale male pale community, money is different for you because these financial services industry, the entire economy has been created by and for them. So any of us who don't necessarily Stale fit into bill, that bill? funnel. <laughs> I know. I love, I love when you said that. I was like, I have to write this oh, down. I, I want it on a t-shirt, please. <laughs> so for everybody yeah, else, it's, it's a little bit different. Even if you're a straight white woman, it's different for mm-hmm. you than it is for your possibly straight white male husband. Yeah. That guy. What a jerk. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So. Most of our listeners are affected by breast cancer. It's a breast cancer podcast. And I feel like there's something very specific financially about getting cancer, just in general. But my specific experience is breast cancer. And I feel like this is a shared experience. But I'll just say for me, I vacillate between two extremes with my finances since going through cancer treatment. And one extreme is like, live in the moment. I could get can- I, I mean. I could have a recurrence again and like have a six month timeline. So like, why am I saving all this money? Like spend it, go to Europe, buy the expensive body cream, like treat yourself, like kind of like thing in my mind where it's just like, I almost feel like this sense of urgency about it. And then the other side of me is look, yeah, you might get cancer again. How much money are you going to need when that happens? Also, if you die, which is something you have to think about, who are you leaving behind? How much money do they need to survive for X amount of years since they're going to be crushed and debilitated by your absence and they won't be able to work anymore? I mean, how can anyone expect them to work when you're not around anymore? So which one should I be doing? (laughs) Which one is right? (laughs) Well, one, I think you should just be easier on yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm stressed and pressed about this. <laughs> <laughs> Live in the moment and enjoy the day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I okay. think it was kind of funny when John and I were talking about these these topics beforehand. One of the things that kind of, it reminded me of, um, my dad didn't say a lot of wise things to me as a kid, but <laughs> one thing that he did um, say to me that I completely ignored until probably the last, maybe the last five years I've, uh, I've tuned into a lot more and that is to live like you're going to die tomorrow, but to plan like you're going to live forever. And it's, it's really what that is saying is that life needs to be a balance, right? We have to, we have to, to be in balance in our life so that we are not only living and enjoying life, but yeah. we're also able to live and enjoy life for the rest of our lives, whether that's six months, six years, 60 years from now, right? We, okay. we want to have that, that timeline uh, and, and be able to enjoy it. And I kind of think about the teeter-totter, right? You know, the teeter-totter is, yeah. it, it's, it's a lot of fun when you're doing this, right? When you're going up and down and up and down, when you're sitting still and you're completely imbalanced all the time, it's, it's not very fun, right? That so exciting. there are times when you can throw yourself out of balance, but plan on getting back in balance, right? So there are okay. going to be times when you're going to be doing a YOLO. You're going to say, okay, you know what? We are going to go to Europe. But how do we do that in a balanced way? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw three thousand dollars on my credit card and go take off and do it right now. I'm gonna save up for it and do it in a balanced way. Or maybe okay. you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for chunks of it while I'm planning to go to Europe, right? So while we're planning, we know that we're gonna have the tri- the the plane flight. So before even before we even book anything, I want to have the money set aside for the flight. Then okay. before we get there, we know we've got several months before we get there. Now I'm going to save up the money to pay for the hotels, or I'm going to save up a certain dollar amount so that that's spending money. One of the things that can happen with the YOLO life is we have a lot of fun, but then we have what John and I like to refer to as the vacation hangover, right? You get back and in the first month you get all those credit card bills and you're like, crap, I need another vacation. (laughs) 
Yes. This just, is stressful. Let's get out right. of here. <laughs> exactly. You have all that stress again. And so if you yes. do it in a planned and balanced manner, not only can you have fun, YOLO in life when it's appropriate, but do okay. it in a way that helps you to have a sustainable life and do more YOLOing throughout your life. Okay. So you have to plan to be spontaneous almost. Because when that when it comes over me, I'm like, we're going now. And the pandemic has really put a, a damper on that for, for sure. me. Sucks big time. But like the first time we went to Europe, it was pre-pandemic, it was pre-cancer. And I was just, I had had a really bad shift. You know, I'm a nurse. I work in a hospital. 12-hour shifts are rough. And I had like, I had a bad day and it was like 10 o'clock at night and I'm just like on kayak and I was just like, we're going to Rome. And I just <laughs> bought the ticket. <laughs> like we're getting as far away from here as possible. But it's, and I like that feeling, but it sounds like I just need to save money so that I can be spontaneous. That doesn't take the magic out of it, right? Like, no, I think. A great, a good example. I think that that maybe would apply to your audience is um, the lie that gay men are all affluent and living well. Mm. There's this appearance that we're all affluent and living well, that we dress well, we travel well, we drink well, we party well, we do all the great stuff. You don't. But you don't all as a as a conglomerate mass all do that. You all know each other though, right? Like that's we true. do. We all we all go to okay. the same meetings. That's yeah. so what we I all thought. Stay, yeah. stay abreast of everybody. Mm. Um, but this was sort of a perception that was sort of born out of the HIV/AIDS crisis, in that yeah. there was a whole slew of men who um, did sort of adopt the carpe diem effect ethos to life in that tomorrow we will die yes um, and there was a good chance that they would because a lot yeah. of men were dying in their 20s and 30s um but then we still have a hangover from the hiv aids crisis and there are a lot of men unfortunately today and other lgbtq mm. folks um but a large percentage of, of lgbtq men um thought they were older lgbtq men thought they were going to die and now they're 60 and 70 and 80 years old and they didn't plan for that so now they're looking oh for God. Okay, government yes. or other types of assistance. So that's a, just a prime example of how one community went sort of went to the extreme. And maybe for a decade to two decades, that made sense a little bit. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, the community hasn't sort of let that go. And so gay men are still kind of putting on those airs, even though we can't necessarily afford it. And so we're still running into the same problems. Yeah. I had not even considered that, but that is so, it's so similar, right? You just don't mm -hmm. know. I didn't think about that either. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You just don't know when your time is up and that is a really, and you can look healthy and, you know, and then it can just be over and it's, it's just, that's such a very specific like weight to just carry around. Right. And this yeah. is why I think it's important. This is one of our, our biggest pieces of advice for most people is to figure out what's most important to you. Okay. What are the two or three things in your life that, and, and yours and your, your, your family's life, what are the things that really, really matter to you? Because by and large, most of the ways that we're spending our money isn't providing us the happiness or the fulfillment in life that we think that's providing us. Yeah. Advertisers would have you believe otherwise, but if you were actually being fulfilled and satisfied with all the things you were buying, you wouldn't need to keep buying more and more things right yes. you would you would reach homeostasis satiety right you, you would be fine um but we keep chasing more and more things right it's why people buy a new iphone every single year why even can't i be happy with what i have <laughs> right this is but, a question i ask myself too like i feel like i have some kind of problem everything is working against you our entire economy and all of marketing is is it's a lot of Economists, scientists, people who are smarter than us, who are trying to create a culture of "I need to buy more, I need to buy more, I need to buy more." Okay. Um, and you know, you know, during the, almost every crisis that we have had since at least 2000, the president or some buddy in charge has come out and said, "Don't stop spending in some way, shape, or form. Right? Continue to spend. Yes. Right? Spend your money. And in fact, if we have to, we'll send you money to spend. Right? <laughs> yeah. And they want you to go out. I mean, that's why Bush gave out six, two $600 checks during his term, right? 
just enough money that doesn't make any sense to save, but mm-hmm. it's perfect amount of money to say, oh, we can finally get that TV we wanted, or that's the $500 we needed to go on that vacation. That's all he wanted us to do. Um, so the, everything is working against you. So it's not okay. your fault. Be easy on yourself. Just realize that smarter people, more nefarious people are trying to get you to do things you don't want to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> True. I can't believe these people out there. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it, too. I knew it. I knew it wasn't It wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly the evil, the evil people at Sephora that are <laughs> leeching me of my money. But it, um, it, the... the the thing with all of that, the wanting to feel good, we don't want the self-care and the wanting to feel good to have the detrimental effect on us that more often than not, that kind of spontaneous spending does have. And it okay. hurts us. And John and I call it the debt depression spiral. You know, we, we, yeah. we, we have a feeling, um, you know, we're depressed, we're anxious, we're, we have a bad day at work or whatever it is, right? And we get depressed. And in the country we live in, the easiest way to solve the feelings that we have, the easiest way to mask them is to pull out the credit card, whether that's having a glass of wine and sitting in front of Amazon Mm -hmm. or going out to brunch with our friends on a Saturday or Sunday or Mm -hmm. therapy shopping at the mall. You know, whatever it is, the easiest way to solve that, to make those feelings go away, the dopamine rush that we get from spending just makes us feel better, especially if that spending is attached to then other people telling us, oh my God, you look great because of the shoes that you have or the shirt you're wearing or whatever it is, right? Or your right? skin. But then or after Or your beautiful that, glowing skin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get the credit card bill in the mail. Mm. And, or, or even just, even if it's, even if you don't have debt from it, you may not be in the financial situation. You may be looking at, oh, wow, I spent more money this month than I should have, right? Well, yes. that just triggers all of those feelings of self-worth, those la- lack of self-worth feelings again, right? Why am right. I not making enough money to have the life that I want? Why do I have so much debt? Why, 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 why? And we go back into that depressed state again. We solve it by spending and it just becomes this giant cycle spiral down. And for a lot of folks, it spirals down into out of control debt. Yeah. It's like, you know, the wisdom from that Austin Powers movie when the big fat guy is like, I eat because I'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because I eat. (laughs) Austin Powers is just like has all the wisdom. Um, have no idea where that came from. <laughs> okay, sticking with the debt then, like conversation, because I want to talk about retirement. We'll save that for a minute, but debt. I'll be specific with me. We own our car. We don't have any credit card debt. I have a nice. system where we never will. We have two bank accounts. One is for paying all of the bills, and the other one is for incidental expenses, like things that go up and down, mm-hmm. like groceries or um, Sephora purchases um, and <laughs> gas and things like that. And then the other one is like all the static bills. And then from that automatically goes uh, to savings off the top like every month. And then and then that way I know we're not going to like have a, a big meal at an expensive restaurant and then like I can't pay the gas bill or whatever. So I like figured all that out. But we still have student loan debt. And this like weighs on me. And I have gone through different phases of student loan debt. I have gone through the phase of like, I'm going to, every extra cent is going to go to student loan debt because I cannot handle just having that. And then like, it doesn't count against your credit, like whatever. And now like, I've, I never deferred our student loan debts. Even when I went for my graduate degree and he went for his graduate degree and we were still working, I didn't defer payments. I just paid on them. However, after the pandemic, I'm in a phase now where I'm like, it's Biden's problem. I am never paying my student <laughs> loan debt again. <laughs> so first question, if I never pay my student loan debt again, uh, will I go to jail? Second question, <laughs> should I not be deferring that? Should I be paying that down? How do you tackle debt? What if I also had a car I was paying on or what if I also had credit card debt? Like if you have all these different kinds of debt, medical expenses oftentimes in this country go on credit cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for women and breast cancer predominantly affects women. So I feel like this is relevant for that too. How do you even start 
Sure. Like paying down debt. So number one, regardless of what Biden or anybody says, please continue to make payments until you to your student loans. Damn it! Until you get an official letter in the mail that says you don't have to do this you anymore. Don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> that is not the answer I wanted. Okay, continue. Well, he I'll, he I'll might make, do it. I'm, I'm going to make a caveat to what John just said, though. Oh, please do. Not in your circumstance, though. <laughs> <laughs> but. If you, we're in it, we're in a in an environment right now where um, the Biden administration keeps deferring, right, yeah. uh, and and pushing out whether or not you are are you have to pay on your student loan debt. Folks, please remember that there's both private and public student loan debt. Private oh, yeah. student loan debt is the is the student loan debt that you you or your parents got through a bank or a lending institution. Um, that debt is not being deferred. That debt, banks are not giving us any leeway on that. You have to still pay on that every single month. It's the that. public student loan debt. That student loan debt is being deferred, right? Okay. And if you have high interest forms of other debt, mm. your student, let, student loan debt that may be deferred right now, we suggest shifting it that those payments over to paying off that high interest debt. So for okay. example, I have $5,000 on a credit card that's charging 21% or Ooh. I could pay I could pay on my student loans and send my $600 a month to my student loans. Our suggestion is while it's being de deferred, pay off the credit card debt because you want to get rid of that high interest debt because okay. that's way higher than what your student loans are. If you don't have any of that other debt, then, as John said, continue to make payments. Continue, <laughs> especially for it, all of those of you who are working in the industries where you potentially could have your student loan debt forgiven after the ten-year period. Right? You don't want to stop paying, and then all of a sudden find out that because you stopped paying while it was being deferred, you have to start your ten-year clock over again. No, is that a possibility? We don't know. Um, okay. The rules on that have been changed recently. Um, yeah. But um, it's unfortunate to have to say this, but depending on who the president is and depending on what party is in power, yeah. it can change, right? Yeah. And so it's unfortunate that our financial circumstances are now being left up to whoever gets elected as president or which, which political party is in power. But Stick with the rules that we know, and that is if you pay for consistently for 120 months or those 10 years, your student loan debt can be forgiven. Okay. All right. So I have to pay my student loans. This is a real blow, guys. I'm going <laughs> to have to take this on, think about that, this for a while. Do you have student loans, Angela? Are you paying I student do. loans? I do. It's not much at this point, so I'm good with whatever. It's I not? hate to sound that. I hate to sound like that, but I'm old, so oh, I'm, you. you know... <laughs> towards the end of student loan oh, you debt. paid your dues don't don't feel, don't feel bad <laughs> exactly. about it you paid your dues so I'm like, yeah. it'll be all right <laughs> but i i had a question that kind of fuses between the debt and then like what jocelyn was saying earlier about like you know she vacillates between these two extremes and then you know david you said live like you're gonna die tomorrow plan like you're gonna live forever i wonder is there like a third category that is like, what if I get sick? Because to Jocelyn's point, you know, oh, getting know. sick is expensive. And if you're already in debt yeah. or if you haven't planned, I mean, if you have a lot of money saved, it can deplete that. Um, so I almost feel mm -hmm. like, and that's where I, I have like this, like almost panic attack because my best friend had ovarian cancer and she was in her forties and I watched how it depleted her, I mean, thank goodness she had, she and her husband had an amazing, um, you know, financial life, you know, I mean, they really did. They worked really hard for, they saved, they were savers. Un unlike me, I am now, but like back then, like, like right when she got sick, I remember thinking, I have like $2 to my name. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even go to the doctor <laughs> if, if I needed to, you know, I mean, that was me back then. Now things are completely different. But so much was an enlightenment based on that. And so 
I have a lot of panic attacks even when I'm saving because I think, oh, this is a nice amount, but it could be gone tomorrow. And and like mm-hmm. to Jocelyn's point of like, I want to, you know, go to Europe because I want to enjoy life and I want to experience something before I can't for whatever reason. I also panic and want to hoard because what if it's gone? You know, what if I need it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, it's a part of that balance, right? And it's, it's very circumstantial. Um, there are some folks who have amazing health care, right? And because their health care plan is, I'll give myself as an example, when I was working in corporate America and John was on my health care after he had quit, I worked for a company. Granted, it was a company that was based in Canada, had U.S. operations, but... Oh, I love that. <laughs> our, That's what you want to do, get a job where it's based in Canada. Where it's based in Canada? Okay, we're going to talk about that in, in a little operations bit. Operations yeah. in the U.S. <laughs> okay, um, okay. We paid $150 a month for everything. Medical, dental, vision. I got... To have him also on yes, the plan? Yes, wow. right? And our our annual deductible for the two of us was $3,000. So if anything went over $3,000, they covered 100% of that. So for John and me, we always made sure that we had at minimum $3,000 each saved for financial medical emergencies. That way, if we went over $3,000 in one year, then the other one could pick up for the next year, right? Okay. So you have to look at your circumstances. Now, for, unfortunately, I, it's so funny. I was thinking about this when I was, I hate to say this, but I was in the shower getting ready for the show. And I do I was my think- best thinking in the shower. I, I do too. <laughs> I have a notebook thing. It's on terrible. On the shower wall. Do you really? A notebook yes. thing? You have a notebook on you? Okay. My girlfriend got it for me for, for I need to know uh, about this. like a stocking stuffer. It is the greatest thing in the world. So every year she keeps putting it in my stocking. It. It's fantastic. It's on Amazon. Seriously, yeah, nice. I forget what it's called, but like okay. it's for the shower. shower and you can write notes. I need like a there's a little notepad. pencil. Mm. It works beautifully. Highly suggested. I'll never nice. get out of the shower. And it's, this is it's terrible. It's in the budget. Yeah. I think it's like $5. So, yeah. <laughs> it's in the budget. Nice. <laughs> okay. So you were in the shower. And, and I was thinking to myself about the broken health system that we have in the United States. Mm. But I realized, you know, the health system in the United States is not broken. It works perfectly. It works exactly the way it's supposed to for the people who it's working for. Yeah. It's not working for the everyday person. It is working for corporations and shareholders and people who don't need it. And everybody in in Congress. Every single person. And every single person that you elect into office (laughs) has the best health care that they won't give us. As liberal as they are. They have way better healthcare than we will ever have. Yeah, yeah. Because for the folks who the the healthcare system is really rigged against them, mm-hmm. you have you know you have people today who their de- annual deductible or, or, is fourteen, seventeen, twenty thousand dollars. Right, that right. really could bankrupt someone. Absolutely. So, in circumstances like that, you you have to do some preparation. You have to do some planning. You have to set some money aside, and that is that kind of. It, it might be a general emergency savings bucket, but you know that if there becomes a, a in a medical cert emergency, I have to dip into that as well. Okay. So we're not going to Europe. We're we're going to the <laughs> hospital. Yeah, unfortunately, with the healthcare system we have in America, there's no great answer to your question. I mean, you've yeah. got to you've got to you've got to find the right balance for you. And if if not having enough money in your emergency savings account or your medical emergency savings account is going to cause you stress and anxiety, that's just going to exacerbate any problems you might already have uh, or or will have. Then maybe you don't go to Europe as much. But that's what you have to figure out: is what's more important to me? Is it having that that safety net in my bank account more important than going to Europe or vice versa. It's a tough question. It's not an easy question and our society hasn't made it easier. Yeah. I feel like there's a clever solution to this actually. I go to Europe. I stay there. <laughs> I get free healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, that's 
That's it, right? Yeah, that I think works. It's interesting that, that you bring that up. There was a colleague of ours uh, posted on Twitter the other day that the new American dream apparently is to move out of the United States as soon as you can. And <laughs> they, she got a lot of I heat for it, but it's actually lot. kind of true. And there's a lot of LGBTQ people who that's one uh, of the first things they're doing the minute they get any financial freedom is that they're bouncing from the U.S. because they any place that is wholeheartedly accepting of them as a person is more expensive. It's too expensive to live in. Yeah. Yeah. You guys make this point all the time. It's yeah. like that's part of the unfairness of it is like if you want to be somewhere where they're open to you as a person and recognize your personhood and value, mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay a premium. Yeah. And not Which everybody has that up. money to pay that premium. So like, we bounce across the pond. Yeah. Even just medical tourism is a booming industry. The number of people who are crossing the border to go to Mexico to, and, and literally there are doctor's offices and clinics that are set up just on the other side mm-hmm. of the border because so many people now are going going down there and getting their dental work done. Yeah. Um, they're, they're having major surgeries. And th- the interesting thing is, is that the doctors at a lot of these clinics and these hospitals, they studied in the United States. Then they cross yeah. the border and they open up these clinics knowing that there's going to be this flood of people who can actually afford to have the services that they need because yeah. there are so many people in this country who aren't getting the services they need because they can't afford them. And it's wild. Yeah. I know that that just causes people to delay, put off what they, their need to get done for their health. It just makes yeah. things worse. Yeah. And then I'm seeing them in the emergency room when they come in with right. that growth on their neck that they've been ignoring for months because where can they go? They don't have a doctor. Anyway, I, I wish we could solve that. <laughs> like it, I've been in the medical field for 11 years. I've been frontline and then I was administrative and I'm frontline again because administration and healthcare is a crapshoot. It's horrible and I hate it. Uh, so <laughs> back to like, you know, slinging foleys and dodging uh, feces, but I, it's, it's such a mess. It's such a mess. It like, it's going to require complete dismantling that will take decades and like, we can't get started soon enough. You know? So David and I haven't talked about this for a long time and I'm probably not mm-hmm. going to as well as we once upon a time could have. Um, but the healthcare system, we think, shouldn't be a for-profit industry. To me, Agreed. That, that's, where, that's where the problem is, is that you're trying to make yes. money off of people who are sick. It should be, I'm yes. not saying that doctors and nurses should be poor, but there's another way to do it, right? There's a lot I'd of executive love to not be poor. <laughs> have a lot of money. But yeah. it should be, not be a, a for-profit system. Just like Absolutely. a prison should not be a for-profit system. Absolutely. Make it for profit, you have a lot of prisoners. Make it for profit, you have a lot of sick people who can't pay for their health care. Yes. And it's it's funny that you mentioned both of those things because they're all of that is like inextricably enmeshed, you know? Like if we could defund this over here that is not helping us or is not helping those communities most in need and then pump that in to healthcare. It's just mm-hmm. it's wild to me. It's wild to me the way because we're spending the money. You're going to spend the money one way or the other. And what we happen to be spending it on now is people who present to the emergency department in hospitals because they cannot get care, like ongoing care. They don't have access. We're, we're spending so much money on that. And you can look at hospitals that have set up like outpatient services, like where they have set up doctors that will go and do house calls to prevent that diabetic person from going into DKA or losing their foot or like making sure that someone with schizophrenia has consistent access to their medications and housing. And they're saving buttloads of money by, by like, you know, giving this preventative care. But it's like, we just, it's like, we don't accept that or something like the, Mm -hmm. the numbers all add up and people much smarter and more articulate than me, have done all this work and study, and it's like, we don't care. No. Yeah. We just don't care. There's well, just not enough motivation. What was yeah. this saying? Um, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? I can't remember if that's what it, exactly what it was. But it's like we've taken that that saying and we've thrown it completely out because an ounce of, prefe- uh, of, of 
prevention is not profitable, right? And the, profitable. the prevention is not profitable yeah. for the people who want it to be profitable. For the people who benefit the most from rendering those services because the trauma surgeon is going to get paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get paid. The difference between nurses in a hospital and physicians in a hospital is physicians get paid for the services that they render. So physicians are getting paid as they see patients. For each patient, physicians are being paid uh, for every OR case. And that's not necessarily the issue. Nurses are paid for their time. So yesterday in the emergency department, we it was bonkers. <laughs> Like we just saw a bazillion people with a bazillion different problems and it was nuts. And then I've had shifts where we don't see a bazillion people. We just see like a hundred plus and I get paid the same. It doesn't matter. I get paid the same. Whether I'm like sweating because I'm working so hard or I just have a nice glow of sweat about me because I'm working not so hard, but hard. And we could stop like, telling people ostensibly that you only are deserving of health care if you are also contributing to the labor force mm-hmm. you know or if wealthy. you're able-bodied yeah well and it's important to remember history that was just a perk that was that some companies started to add to their benefits to try to attract the best uh employees and then all of a sudden it became this mandate that every employer yes. has to offer this and that's a perversion of what it was supposed to be too um mm-hmm. and so you know, then you force companies to do this. It kind of, they're in bed with the insurance companies. Everything's just yeah, not the way it should be. Yeah. At one point in time, people used to get paid enough to be able to pay for their healthcare on their own. Get Imagine out Imagine that world. <laughs> <laughs> then we could all save for retirement. Right. <laughs> okay. That is my last thing. I've been, I've had a retirement plan. I've paid into a retirement plan in one way or another since I was like 23. I'll be 40 in July. So I have this IRA. I'm maxing that out every year. And then I enrolled in a Roth 403B with my current hospital. They match 5% uh, dollar for dollar. And I'm, I think I'm 15% vested now on my end. And then with each raise, I like go up a couple percents, you know, so it's not because I did take a pay cut when I went back to bedside, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> like I'll work my way up probably back to 20% on my end. So it's 25% total. All this to say, I still have like dreams about being old and poor and shoved into some institution and I feel like I I could get very creative if I really needed money, but a lot of it's criminal, and I'd like to stay out of jail. So, but you get healthcare in jail. As an older person, but you get healthcare and meals and meals. Yeah. So there's that. You're right. That is that can be like the plan. C G or something. Oh, yeah. um, I put it too high. You put it we put it way too far up there. God, you want me to go straight to jail. Do not, Pasco. Um, does that sound like I've got a good plan going? Also, what if I was a person starting from scratch at 40? Well, procedurally, I think you're doing all the right things. You're using okay. the tools and resources that are available to you. And one of the most millionaires reach their millionaire status through investing in their 401k. Or four hundred three B four fifty seven, whatever your comparable plan is. There was a really? there was a, there was a study of ten thousand millionaires in the United States. Eighty percent of the millionaires in the United States said that they reached their millionaire status be, through investing in their employer sponsored retirement plan. Um, it, was, it was staggering the numbers. I can't remember off the top of my head now. I think it was only it was less than twenty percent of them had inherited the money or um, got the money through a lottery or something like that. And wow. it was less than third. I think, I think it was 30% of them had six figure paying jobs. So the vast majority of millionaires okay. in the U S have gotten there by slowly investing and continuing to do that on a regular basis over time. Okay. So that is the best method. Wow. But making sure that you're diversified within your 401k, right? Right. Right. So most of most company sponsored retirement plans allow you to invest in a couple of different investments. 
Yeah. Um, one of the biggest mistakes people make with their company sponsored retirement plan is they think that just contributing to it is enough. You've got to make sure you choose the investments within that plan for your money to go to and then grow or drop like it did last week and then go up again. Based on drop by like 19%. Yeah. I, I checked because I knew we were going to be talking about coaster. this. So I got, <laughs> I know, I got on my net benefits app and I'm like, how's the old retirement account going? And it was like, yeah, don't look, you shouldn't look last week. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I shouldn't look ever. I shouldn't look ever. I like quarterly, maybe once a quarter or okay. twice a year is all that you need to do. As long as you're investing and putting money in and you don't need it in the next three or four years, just let it go okay. right out the, it's a roller coaster ride, right? Just ups and downs, yeah. ups and downs. Yeah. Right. So yeah, procedurally I, you're doing a great job. Um, okay. For most people, we encourage them to at the very minimum contribute enough to their company sponsored retirement plan to get the company match. If you can yes. contribute more, wonderful. And obviously okay. you can't contribute that much. That's totally fine too, but try to shoot for at least getting that. It's for most companies, it's anywhere from four to six. There are some outliers, but four to six percent. And then you have to work there, like for me, I have to work there five years to be a hundred percent vested. So they'll contribute this whole time, but if I leave it like three years, they're going to deduct right that money because right. they yeah. would encourage you to so stay, some, but they'll let you yes. go whenever they want to let you go. Companies, man. <laughs> like I, I just don't understand. Like. But, they like to remind you that most states you're working, it's an at-will state, right? We're happy yeah. to let you go whenever they feel the need to. Yeah. Man, so. I just feel like supply and demand should come in here. And it's like, <laughs> if we have a national shortage of nurses, like the demand is high Nine. and the supply is low. So like my wages should go up, <laughs> but whatever. That's neither here you nor there. You should team up with teachers and like Absolutely. say we're gonna all go on a, a national quits day <laughs> we're gonna have a snow day yeah we're gonna <laughs> and none of us are coming to work dude teachers for real though yeah, teachers totally. for real teachers and nurses oh my god john john did bring bring up a good point though that mm. I, I will say when you talked about how you're doing your budgeting and setting money aside and and your the way you pay your bills and multiple yeah. accounts i wanted to reach through and give you a gold star yeah. um because really? the, the, the way that you're managing your budget is the way that we, the structure is very similar to the way that we recommend to folks. Um, so you're doing great. And the fact that you okay. are pulling money and putting it aside in out of your, uh, your paycheck all the time for retirement, you know, it's, the, it's that out of sight, out of mind money that will allow you to have a better retirement. Um, and, uh, and for, in your situation, you know, we don't know your balances. Um, but the, the, the general rule is if you're setting aside about 10 to 15% of your pay on a regular basis into your retirement account, and you start that in your, at, at the latest in your early thirties, then you should be good when it comes to retirement, not Necessarily, you're going to have like the fabulous, I'm going on vacation every other week kind of retirement, right? I'm not a baller, but you should have a, you should have a, a supplemental amount of money that is going to maybe be paired with social security or some other benefit that you have that will allow you to cover your living expenses. If you've waited and, okay. and you haven't saved anything, first of all, it's, it, it may feel very scary, but l- want you to know you're not alone. Um, okay. if you, there, it is incredible the amount of money that Americans have saved for retirement. Um, and it's, it's depending on your age, but I think nationally the average is $125,000. When they retire? No, no, no. That's what the average retirement account has it in it for all Americans. Oh, just like across all ages and stuff? Right, right. Okay. Um, But folks in the age that are just getting ready to retire, their balances are roughly somewhere between $225,000 and $250,000. May sound like enough to retire? No, that that can't be. No, it may sound like a lot of money and in one chunk, right? But mm-hmm. how long, think about your spending habits today and how much money you have 
just for necessities, how long would $225,000 last you? No, like 10 Sephora carts. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) It's gone. But I, I look fabulous. As a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sponsor of Sephora. I've been asking them to sponsor me on this podcast. That may not be like the best approach to actually get results. I might have to shoot an email. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But it just I'm makes sense that they would it. sponsor you. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes so much sense. I swear I sell pit. product for them all the time. Yeah, I swear. Yeah. Angela, you have a, a retirement account? I do through my employer. And I also have uh, a, a Roth through a bro- just a brokerage account. Yeah. So I have oh, 401k as well. with my employer and then a Roth separate. Yeah. Yes. Because if you have the means, having a Roth and a traditional is, is good, right? Actually, Angela, why do you have both? <laughs> well, yeah. Why? And I could be doing it wrong. <laughs> There's not a lot in either one of these two accounts, so nobody get the wrong idea or anything. But I, I prioritize the Roth. I, I don't max either one of them out yet, and I really wish that I did. I'm working on that. Um, but I think there are more tax mm, benefits nice. to the Roth, if I'm if I remember correctly offhand. And so that's why I do that. One of the benefits of a traditional or a Roth IRA over a, f- a company-sponsored plan is that you have many more investment options available to mm. you. So um, most company-sponsored retirement plans will have like 8 to 12 mutual funds, institutional mutual funds that um, you can ch- choose from. And sometimes you can you can uh, buy into your uh, – if your company is publicly traded, buy into uh, your company stock. Um, but and the we Roth all know what a mutual fund is. I mean, obviously, I know what a mutual fund is, <laughs> but if I didn't know what a mutual fund is, like, how would I explain what that is? A mutual fund is like an Easter basket where you put all sorts of different candy in there. In the okay. mutual fund Easter basket, you put in stocks and bonds and of all different companies and shapes and sizes, and they create different kinds of um, objectives. Um, and so you want to okay. buy a mutual fund uh, or Easter basket that aligns with your objectives. So some Easter's you want a tiny Easter basket because you're on a diet. Some Easter's you want to buy a gigantic Easter basket with a huge chocolate bunny. Depends on what you want. And there's okay. like 5,000 different mutual funds to choose from. But Okay. And that's most, diversifying. That's, that's what that is. Uh, that's a, that's a way to diversify. Okay. Um, you want to, you want to have, um, so when you're talking about diversification, depending upon your risk tolerance, your age, uh, your time horizon for retiring or needing to eat to access the money, um, you want to have a combination of investments. So um, think about Enron in the early 2000s. Um, lots of people had their all the entire time. 401k wiped out because, <laughs> think about Enron? <laughs> yeah. In the shower, it's all I think about is Enron in the early 2000s. <laughs> but if we didn't have Enron, we wouldn't have had Theranos. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was awful. It was, it was an awful thing that happened. Yeah. So, but most of those people were yeah. invested only in their Enron stock. And so when yeah. Enron tanked, they had nothing left over. And that's one of the reasons why you want to have diversification because you don't want right. to put all your eggs in one basket. <gasps> I legit did not even see that coming. And I'm really happy. He that, pulled a Kathy happened. Griffin. On yeah, that's a Kathy Griffin <laughs> skill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. One of the things that we have talked about and just kind of alluded to, and that maybe asked well, part of the reason why I asked Angela is mm. you mentioned traditional 401k and Roth 401k. And so let's just kind of just basically the benefits of those. Yes. A traditional 401k or a traditional IRA, when you put money in there, it is tax deferred and tax advantaged. So the, the, the basically what that means is that if I put $1,000 into that, the money can grow for as long as I want it to. I don't have to pay any taxes as that money is growing. But also, if I put $1,000 in there, I can take $1,000 off of my earned income for the year, so I don't have to pay taxes on that $1,000 right now. So I get a tax benefit today, right? That's what traditional is. Okay. A Roth, you only get the growth side of it, where you're not paying taxes on the growth, right? You do pay your taxes on it when you put it in right away. 
Now, some people would say, well, why wouldn't I always do a traditional? Why would I ever do a Roth? Because I have to pay taxes right now on the Roth money. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because when you take the money out in the future, you don't have to pay taxes on the Roth money coming out, but you do have to pay taxes on the traditional money. So if that $1,000 grows into a million, I have to pay taxes on a million dollars in the traditional IRA. In the Roth IRA, I don't have to pay any taxes on that million. So there's an advantage to paying the taxes up front, especially if you're in a lower tax bracket today than what you'll think you'll be in the future. Okay. If you're in a high tax bracket today, you may want to Like if use you're a fancy doctor. The... The, yeah. the traditional because it lowers your taxes today. Okay. All those. Like I panicked earlier and I forgot all those reasons, but all of those. Plus, I don't <laughs> I don't okay. have the I did 401. On the <laughs> I don't have the 401k match that Jocelyn does. So that was the other reason I also They don't match you? No. It's so we sad. We both need to go work for this Canadian company that's based in the US. Do they need nurses Trust- for their clinic? I have 11 years of RN experience. I'm very good with people. Um, I'll bring my own fanny pack and yeah. pair of rafters, which is these special scissors that we cut people's clothes off with, which I feel yeah. like will come up a lot. Trust me reason. when I say Bridget will um, be on that in, in two seconds. She's been telling me, I mean, we haven't even gotten into our new home yet. And she's already like, you know, we need to go to Canada soon, right? And I'm like, could we just move in? Just this is all I'm asking. So. <laughs> We'll be. We'll see you all in Canada soon. <laughs> you are selling a house, which is like yes. a, objectively a great financial thing, right? And then you're building a house and buying a house. Mm-hmm. We have been renting since 2011. We owned a house, went through 2008 with that house, sold it shortly after, down market, brought cash to the table just to offload this house so that we could move. Um, I was scarred. So like, I have not even considered buying a house since then. The market right now is outrageous. Homes are not worth what they're going for. Mm -hmm. Do I need to buy a house? So I think this is the perfect example of what supply and demand is when it's working is kind of working correctly, right? We have, we have a supply problem in the United States, not just because of the, the, pandemic and the lack of of workers and materials and all of that but construction companies or or home builders are intentionally not building the kind of homes that people are demanding it is the selling sunset problem (laughs) we are taking lots that we could put 12 single family homes on or even build like units of affordable mm-hmm. housing, and we're putting a single $20 million home with city views mm-hmm. for, yeah. like, the one person who's going to live there 20% of the time. Right. 100%. I blame Selling Sunset. Yeah. There's it's a, a fascinating... Show, um, and I watch it. ...TED Talk on YouTube. I can't remember the woman's name. This How woman I faked being a billionaire to see s- the high-rise buildings in New York. It's amazing. It's so cool what she did. There are actually whole high rises being built just so super, 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 super rich people have a place to invest their money. They're never going to live there. They might not ever even see these places. And whole gigantic buildings are changing the topography and landscape of Central Park. All these uber wealthy people don't want to put all their money in the stock market. They don't want to just put it in art and other hard material, hard assets. So they're they storing to, it in these apartments. They just yeah. they just put like twenty in the million dollars into and in the it. Tub yeah. and everything. Well, no, it's in the actual real estate, not in the cabinet. They're <laughs> <laughs> not physically like storing it in the apartment. <laughs> no, they're, they're buying yeah. these twenty fifty million dollar condos no, with the idea that you know the housing market will never drop again. The value of this home is always going to be twenty to fifty million dollars or more. So it's a way to basically store money, and it's a tax-free way a tax to shelter. store money. Okay. <laughs> it's a tax shelter. There's a tax. There are tax benefits to it. So when you look at some high rises and you're like, "Why are those lights never on?" That's why. Because no one lives there. No there. Money yeah. lives there. Right. Oh. Yeah. It's, I th- it's an apartment it, it, for money. She said in the TED Talk. I think it's roughly 20%. They found that roughly no. 20% of the units no. had people living in them. The rest of them were empty wow. 
but maybe people would come there one for one or two weeks out of the year. Okay. Wow. Do you have to be a complete asshole to get rich or does getting rich turn you into a complete asshole? Like chicken or egg for me, because it feels like every day rich ass people are doing things that are horrible for the environment, horrible for everyone except them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my belief is that money just magnifies the type of person you are already. Okay. So if you're already a horrible person, money's just going to make that worse. There are a lot of really, really good wealthy people who do really good things with their money. And we thank okay. them for the libraries that we have, the donations they make to LGBTQ centers and all sorts of good okay. things. But you don't hear those good people's point. stories. They don't make the news. They're um, not sensational. They're not sensational. Right. Dateline's never going to cover it. Um, you know, Except for maybe three minutes at the end after they've t- covered like 50 murders and stolen sure. elections and all that stuff then oh and now some good human news. interest story yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I, this fault. is my villain origin story okay this is how i'm gonna anna delvey myself <laughs> into being uber uber rich i'm gonna take uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you seen I snl wire why is this a problem <laughs> are you poor yeah, you look tall. <laughs> I am going to Anna Delvey all of these banks and rich ass people, and then I'm just going to like build affordable housing, build mixed income housing units that are on a like a scale according to what you make. You're going to swindle the swindle the swindlers. I'm going to swindle the swindlers and like nice. create. Uh, I don't know. I think if there's anything we're learning from We Crash, uh, Dropout, um, the uh, inventing Anna, mm-hmm. it's that rich people aren't necessarily any smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> and some rich people have too much money. They don't yes. know what to do with it. And they're just looking uh-huh. for any opportunity to give it to somebody. So yeah. all we have to do is create a create a business plan and tell people we're going to completely revolutionize healthcare with a job of the prick of a finger and yes. heads of states will just throw money your way. Let's do this. Sounds good. <laughs> I, I'm sending my boss a, an email right now. I quit my job. Okay, guys. <laughs> with your financial know-how and my medical knowledge, let's call it, we can do this. <laughs> totally, yeah. If there's like one takeaway, one like piece of advice, financial advice that you want people to take away from this, what what is it? Distill all your myriad knowledge into like a single <laughs> statement. <laughs> no pressure. Not reductive at all. Eat the chocolate cake. Eat the chocolate cake. <laughs> all right. You want the cake, eat the cake. Yeah. Figure out what matters most to you. And okay. Budget accordingly. And if you want to have chocolate cake once in a while, have chocolate cake once in a while. Just make sure it's in your budget. Again, I think you know, John, John's bringing home this point of invest your money and your time and your energy in things that actually truly make you happy. Not your parents because you're doing what your parents, you think mm-hmm. your parents want you to do or what your group of friends want you to do but what or your spouse, <laughs> right? Do exactly what makes you happy. And if you do what makes you happy, truly makes you happy, not just makes you happy in the moment, but truly makes you happy, you literally will find that you spend less money and you put money away for the future. Because when you really have a really good day that you really enjoy and you really have that fulfillment from what you've done with your money and with your time, you don't have to hop from one thing to another, to another, to another, to feel good. Cause you look back on some of those memories from a couple of days ago or two weeks ago, and it still brings you joy and happiness, right? And you don't need to refill that YOLO tank over and over and over again. Yeah. See why I listen to them all the it's time. Not easy. <laughs> it's I not do. Easy, I, I totally but... do. It's not easy. It's not easy to parse out like what makes you happy and what you're told will make you happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I guess less Instagram, more showers. Honestly, <laughs> yes. things seem to become clear with wet, writing, wet writing boards. Yeah. Yes. Which, yeah. by the way, I, I remember the name to that. I remember the name. It's Aqua Notes. 
Very easy. Aquanauts. Aquanauts. Oh, that's okay. clever. I like yeah, the name. Oh, yeah. Sounds like Aquanauts. maybe another sponsor for the podcast. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> show is brought to you by <laughs> Sephora and Aquanauts. Yes, and Aquanauts. <laughs> Do you Sometimes shower? you can use both in the same time. Right? I absolutely am using both at the same time. You guys should see my bathroom. Oh, my God. Well, you write down what products you need to purchase. There you While go. While you're washing your head with Sephora. We've cracked the code. We've cracked the Bam. code. That's it. That's what makes me happy. Um, awesome. Awesome. In conclusion, thank you, Debt Free Guys. No, thank you. David and John, your podcast, The Queer Money Podcast, is like everywhere. There's nowhere it isn't. There are a shit ton of episodes, and they're all awesome. And they're like, they're not all. Wait, yeah. what? Some of them are bad. Go back to the beginning. So, if you go back and listen to some of the very first episodes, so do what? you remember the episode? I think it's episode four, four or five. I can't remember. It's it's in the like the first ten episodes. We're talking away with our guests, and all of a sudden, I hear myself say, "Wait a second, are we recording this? Are we re- wait? Let's check. Are we recording this?" And, you know, to be a seasoned podcaster now and to be telling folks to go listen to all of your podcasts and to know that that's an episode out there, you cringe, especially when people say, all of your episodes are amazing. And then you're like, no, they're not. You're like, they're not. There's at least one. But progress. Okay. It's all about But I progress. love that. Start somewhere. Anywhere. Yeah. And just build on it. In money, in podcasting. In your skincare routine, (laughs) (laughs) just start, just, just do it and like be bad at it for a while. That's what the internet has ruined for people is being not great at things. Like you don't have to be great at things to do them. Right. You know, Well, great is the enemy of good. Right. So just just take that first step. Just start it. Yeah. We all make mistakes. Sometimes it's always ugly, but you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Just start putting some money away. Mm-hmm. Does your company have a 401k? If you don't know, find out. <laughs> put some money in it and then put some more money in it. And I realize I'm speaking from a, a place of privilege, both having a job and having the disposable income to place into a 401k. So there's that as well. Oh, God, we've got to fix so many problems. So, but anyway, I feel like we fixed some, (laughs) mostly mine. Uh, Thank you guys so much for doing this. This was like super fun. I feel so much better about my future in a lot of ways. Also, I'm going to add that La Mer body cream back to my Sephora cart, and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Eat the cake. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And that's all I got. That's it. Thank you. We appreciate it.